everybody, and welcome to the Energetic Principles Podcast. I'm your host, Melissa LaFera, an astrologer, tarot consultant, all-around creative from sunny San Diego, California. And this is the 158th episode of the podcast, airing July 3rd, 2023. Happy full buck supermoon to all. Now, in this episode, I am very pleased to welcome back a very special guest to the podcast. We have Gray Crawford joining me once again on the program to do a mid-year recap and also talk about Venus retrograde in Leo. So Gray and I reconvened to do our mid-year check-in uh, all around the, you know, our 2023 year ahead forecast that we did earlier in the year. Uh, and then we segue to do a in-depth treatment of the coming Venus retrograde in Leo transit. So in the first third of the program, you're going to hear how we, uh, you know, kind of recollect all the astro movement from January through June and how it played out real time. And then also what we think are the hotspot transits that are still in store for the remainder of the year. Then in the uh, the second uh, the second half of the podcast, or I'd say about maybe two thirds of the podcast, we dive into Venus's summer retrograde in Leo and the characteristics we believe will manifest based on cycles, myth, and planetary alignments associated with Venus. And we came to the conclusion uh, through the Venus retrograde and also our hotspot transits that Venus and Mars are running the rest of the 2023 show. So who is ready to get personal? Now, to follow along as we step through the charts, you can tune into a video version of this episode on YouTube. Now, if you would like to support this program, feel free to come on over to energeticprinciples.com where you can book a personal consultation with yours truly. You can leave a tip in my tip jar and or you can sign up for my monthly transit newsletter called The Heavenly Wind, where the July July forecast just went out. Uh, And funny story, I had to write it twice. Oh, the Capricorn full moon got me. You know, always make sure to refresh your browser if you're on MailChimp. Lesson learned. (laughs) All right. So I think that is all I have to share here before we get started. So, you know, who is ready to do our half year check in and to hear all about Venus retrograding Leo? Here we go. Now let's meet our guest. All right, all right, all right. We are back here today with the Energetic Principles podcast, and I've got a very special guest returning to the program, Gray Crawford. Gray, thanks for joining me again. Yeah, thank you. It's great to be back here talking about the rest of the year. Yeah. So if you, uh, if you've, if you have frequented this podcast before, you know that Gray, uh, has joined me for several years straight to, um, forecasts the entire year, which we do yeah. these <laughs> magnum opus, uh, you know, episodes that go on, uh, for what can feel like days for some people listening, <laughs> I'm sure, but, uh, we really get in there, but the purpose of this episode is to do a little recap. Uh, you know, it's just halfway through 2023, which I don't even know how that is possible. Cause time is a flying. Yeah. That's something to talk about with how this is, how this yeah. has been going with all the, all the changes and stuff. Yeah. So, uh, so I'm not the only one feeling it, <laughs> I guess. 
No. <laughs> so we are going to uh, do a little recap, just kind of a little mid-year check-in for the first quarter of this program to kind of look at, you know, what's happened, uh, what has progressed uh, since we have forecasted the year ahead, and maybe just a quick little look ahead at some hot spot moments coming for the rest of the year. But then we're going to focus a majority of the program on uh, Venus's retrograde in Leo, which is just around the corner um, on July 20. Second, and we are already, you know, Venus is already in Leo. We are already feeling it. So uh, we're excited to talk about that here today. But before we get started, just in case uh, you're not familiar with Gray, uh, Gray, tell the listeners a little bit about yourself. Yeah, I'm an astrologer. I live in the Olympia, Washington area, but I do consult with people, you know, all over the around the world on, online as well. And that's really my main focus of my practice would be natal consultations, but I also do horary consultations and I enjoy doing that. I write pretty frequently, at least a couple articles a month, usually at least on the lunations of each month on my um, website, which is graycrawford.net. And I um, have a Patreon that you can support me through where I give extra material depending on what level you're on. There's uh, a monthly group that meets, and then there's like more of a class. And we've been doing uh, fixed stars this year hmm. on that kind of higher level. And um, also f- uh, often just talk or teach out in the community. Yeah, you definitely need to check out Gray's work if you haven't, uh, especially if you like to read and are appreciative of good writing. Gray has a way with words. Um, so you just you you want to you want to check that out. I feel like you really bring it alive, you know, the especially the lunations and different transits that you're talking about. So uh, you know, you put that Pisces poetic flair uh on, you know, the transits. And so it's kind of like yeah, it's being almost immersed um, in more of a storytelling aspect um, of what's going on in the sky. So definitely go oh, check you. Gray out there. So let us get into it. We got plenty to talk about here today. Um, I'm definitely in better spirits than the last podcast. Last podcast, I was <laughs> I was coming down with an illness that in the moment of the podcast that I ended up being out for for seven days wow. straight. And I was just trying to make it through. Poor Catherine. She was... <laughs> It was funny. And so now I'm on a cleanse, I'm on a 10 day cleanse. And I feel like, you know, the sickness has left. I'm feeling more clear and energetic. So you probably hear that today in the talk here. So I'm excited. Let's get in there. Let's recap. So January through June, a lot's happened. Um, uh, a lot's happened. I had to go back to actually remember what had happened because so much had happened that I feel like I just washed it all out of my brain. And I was like, what even happened? <laughs> so, so great with just looking back at those last six months. Um, is there any like stand out in particular, uh, you know, that we could, um, just in your mind that kind of stood out for, from this first half of the year, as far as just energy quality or certain news events, et cetera. Yeah. Well, we had talked at the, before the year back in December, was that like maybe mid early December we of 2022, we might've met so, yeah. something like that. Yeah. Um, and it was a little bit before we even got to like the new year and we had talked a lot about, I think, I feel like this, two things that we talked the most about that 
everybody else was also talking about, honestly, was Saturn going into Pisces and Pluto going into Aquarius Mm -hmm. and as well as Jupiter going into Taurus, not to leave that out, but because and Saturn, Mars going into Cancer, because we yeah, were all sick of Mars and Gemini. Yeah, but because <laughs> we've had the you know Saturn's on domicile for years, um, and Pluto in Capricorn since two thousand eight, that change was we, we figured would be really major, and we talked then about ways things were already like earlier December things were already starting to change a lot, like the. The chat GTP had recently yeah. come out and we were already talking a little bit about some of the AI stuff and developments, mm-hmm. but it is pretty amazing how rapidly that all developed. Um, it's I everywhere. feel like at, at, we, we were saying we thought it would, but it, to go through it, 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 it really did like, yeah, just really wild how much, um, you talked about the idea of re- reality kind of warping and, and sort of this dissolution of your beliefs. Also, if Saturn going into Pisces also starts the journey to Neptune and Pisces. Mm-hmm. And even though they're not, you know, some traditional astrologers would be they're not in orb. Um, one of the things that I feel like the Hellenistic astrology has brought back that's really helpful for transits is that the co-presence right is really a legit thing. And that's been to me very obvious that they're co-president Pisces and that does have a significant meaning. Cause even when you go back to thinking about when Saturn goes in, went into Pisces, which, which was like, I feel like it was around March 7th off the top of yeah. my head. Mm-hmm. That seems like it was so long ago and <laughs> things are so different. It really just from like four months to get less than four months ago. Um, and one of the things that was we had talked about that, you know, um, besides reality changing in, in a general sense, um, water issues with Saturn and Pisces was kind of an obvious thing. And um, that was something I really noted, really had like just so many things happening. There was like a, um, a UN high seas treaty that just came out, like I think the same day that Saturn went into Pisces. There are a lot of reports about um, lack of uh, safe drinking water coming out. Mm. There's some of the stuff, you know, was already going on. Like, um, I don't know how much, I know you're in California, but there's a whole, I know the part that you're in, how much is connected to the whole Colorado river and that, that whole controversy, which I know they've, sort of at least brokered some more deals since Saturn's Oh yeah, because they were like, want to cut it, cut some off, you know? <laughs> where do they want to cut us off? Or not completely, but like starting to think about the future of where is this supply going and how, you know, we got to yeah. take care of ourselves over here. Yeah, and things like the the dam there, you know, was, was this, the Hoover Dam was a Saturn and Pisces thing. Um, yeah, it was. And um, there's also been the, the issue with some um, migrant you know, migrants and on boats, you know, would have mm-hmm. been something already going on, but, but sort of like, um, that has just really wrapped, that's been in the news a lot. And, um, very recently, I think just last around the same time, the whole Titanic well, thing was that going was on. There, the, there was also a big migrant. Um, yeah. And that was the, the big, the um, time. I think that was the big uh, issue with it is because we're seeing these water things come up, but 
the synchronicity of the two happening at the same time of having the massive, you know, boat carrying all the migrants capsize and, and not getting, you know, just the, the fraction of media coverage as, you know, five incredibly wealthy men in a, um, you know, in a quote, people call it a tin can going to the bottom of the ocean of the yeah. Titanic and the massive crews that are looking for them and, and everything that's put into the search into the, to the news. And, and it's, you know, it just, it, it seemed like this bigger vessel, I guess, pun intended to talk about, um, the, the wealth gap and the, the inequality that's going on. Cause I think that's a big part of this, of early oh, 2023 yeah. that has been, you know, just increasingly being shown more, especially with, you know, Jupiter and Taurus. And, you know, one of the big things happening was all the, uh, the bank failures, right. You know, right, the, the bank failures. Yeah. Silicon Valley. That was, bank. Very, that was very lined up with Saturn going into Pisces, but I know I, I like a lot of people was thinking, well, this also has a lot to do with like Pluto getting into the end of Capricorn. Yes. Yes. But the timing really was lined up with like Saturn goes into Pisces and that all just happened. Yeah. Well, and so that's an interesting part actually to, um, kind of think about, yeah, Saturn, well, right. The structure starts to erode. And even like you talk about the co-presence of, of Neptune, just kind of having that, that emphasis there too. And, you know, that bank starts to, to fail. And then in May, there was another bank, uh, like the fourth bank, which was first Republic bank, which was even bigger than Silicon bank. So it was the second largest bank failure that bank failure, (laughs) bank failure that had, um, happened. And, uh, you know, this is, uh, these are precedents for kind of times to come. So I find it interesting that the, the, the kind of lining up of these stories of the Titan, you know, um, blowing up and in the migrant capsizing and then the questions of, of wealth and who gets uh, attention and care and, you know, need very Saturn and Pisces type of thing. I think that also speaks to just sort of the cross dance that happened actually when Pluto moved back into Capricorn with that Mercury mm-hmm. trine that happened all at the same time. So it was like this crossover of, um, uh, I don't know. This is just, quite, it was an interesting entry to have, uh, Pluto move back into Capricorn with yeah. Mercury kind of having it on, on blast and, uh, yeah. And then just rolling through Gemini for the rest of the transit, which now it's in cancer, it moved into cancer, I think yesterday as we we're recording this. Um, yeah. but yeah. yeah, the Saturn, the wealth inequality is a really big deal related to all this, which, you know, on one hand, that's this old Pluto Capricorn issue, but Saturn Neptune traditionally for a long time now, there's been this sequence of often like revolutions and big waves of change with the public. And it's often driven by, even when those revolutions aren't successful, they still become very violent and you know chaotic often. And they're often driven by that wealth inequality. So that was something I was curious about, like what would happen. Um, and, and there was, I mean, interestingly, right when it went in, in France, there were a lot of yes. um, big protests that got very violent. And I know that earlier in the month, there was another little wave of them, which didn't seem to be as quite as big as previous. And it seems like uh, Macron's just kind of going, that was involving the, raising the retirement age. Yeah. 
partially, but there was um, some other issues going on too with that. Um, but then I know there were some strikes in the United States. There's a big strike with writers. The Writers Guild, yeah. Yeah, so there are already some strikes and labor issues going on. That, I think that is Amazon something... right now, Amazon and maybe Starbucks, Starbucks maybe? I know oh, Amazon are there. I, I don't know about Starbucks, yeah. Yeah, I have to double check, fact check me on that. But the Amazon, yeah. I know that's in the news right now, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and that would not, organizing. that kind of stuff would not be surprising with when we're going to talk about like Venus retrograde, yeah. combining with Uranus and combining with Jupiter. And then we're heading ultimately to Jupiter Uranus combining in uh, the next year, 2024. So, um, that Inc- could be something we could mm-hmm. think about just how this is going to, there's already some labor stuff going on and wealth inequality things, driving things, but this is something we could expect to continue to build, you know, all the way through Jupiter Uranus into Saturn, Neptune in 2025, 2026. Yeah. Yeah. Another thing I thought was interesting um, with this first half too, were, just more and more of the, at least here in the U.S., the 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 uh, the China paranoia, right? Oh, you yeah. know, like in February with the whole the you know shooting down the spy balloons uh, that they thought were you know I don't know exactly whatever happened with that. I know they were shooting down other sort of unidentified objects over Alaska too, and so there was like this threat of um, you know being of, of spy, and of course the whole TikTok uh, debacle and that being on trial. Right. Um, for, you know, uh, supposedly potentially leaking information or, you know, spy, um, being spied on as as people or what have you. So that was, that was an interesting aspect of, um, this first half of the year too. Yeah. And then obviously, you know, Pluto going into Aquarius, we was, a as we talked about, was an important sort of setting things in motion to this much larger transit that will ultimately go into like, I think 2043 or so, like 20 20 years. And, you know, um, the rest of this year, though, what we're going to be talking about, we'll be back in Capricorn. So we've kind of returned back to that, but that was interesting how that, um, we definitely saw that come in with a, um, a lot of those different issues surrounding these new directions things are going with technology and such like we talked about i guess the one other thing that we haven't mentioned yet it would be the ukraine war yes and there is an another classic saturn neptune thing always is you know russia and what's going to happen and just as we're talking there was a very brief seeming like you know um this warner group you know going into russia and heading toward Moscow and it seemed almost like, is this a coup or is this heading into oh, yeah. some military? Yeah. Um, definitely like a pretty big strike against Putin, which was, you know, quelled for now, but that's another but question that's where we, we don't, we don't know retrograde. where, yeah, we don't know where that's <laughs> all going. Um, that war is still happening. And that's another, when you're, when you were talking about the China piece, you know, that's something where, you know, the U S is obviously very implicated in that war and doing a lot. Um, involved there's lots in of it. talks between Russia and China too. I know that pops right. up in and the that, news from time to time. Yeah. Cause that's, I mean, that's just to speak to that too. Cause that's an, and it's kind of goes with a general uncertainty. I think of Pluto going to Aquarius, Saturn going to Pisces. I think they're starting to change. You know, there are fears, you know, are we, 
heading towards like a, a greater war or is that not something that we see happening in terms of like an actual like another like world war um i haven't personally felt like the astrology really goes with world war although i definitely think chaotic mass chaos is something that will be happening in this in this decade and you know, it might be even something more like what we're seeing here, where maybe the U.S. isn't directly involved in trees, but we're oddly doing a lot. And, you know, there are stories coming up about how we were really the ones that blew up the pipeline. Mm. And, um, you know, we're obviously implicated and involved in this, but so I don't know. But but there's lots of, yeah, that inter- whole international situation and like China also, you know, getting more nuclear weapons and all this stuff. It's all stuff that's going on. And we don't know really where any of it's going right now as we're talking. Um, so yeah. And lot, I'm really, of- oh, I'm just really interested to see, um, especially with this Venus retrograde coming up because, uh, back in February, February 24th was the one year anniversary since the Ukraine war had started. Mm. Um, and so I'm like, Oh, let me go, let me go look at that chart. And that was when, uh, Venus was a conjunct Mars in Capricorn, um, mm. and right after her, um, retrograde cycle. So, Right. Knowing, seeing them two lined up in the sky right now and not going to meet, but she's going to go in her retrograde phase. And uh, we know, and we'll probably be talking about this here in the program, is sort of that call to war and that more um, warrior side of Venus and diplomacy. I, I'm, it's interesting to see what might come up, especially in such a... Um, like a magnanimous, you know, authoritative sign as Leo, when you think about like these bigger power and uh, heads of state sort of dynamic, you know, I definitely would associate that with, with Leo or at least the sun. Yeah. And, <clears throat> and I, I'm realizing I didn't totally complete my thought for people didn't know what I was speaking of. So the Saturn Neptune conjunctions have typically gone with, we've had Russian revolutions happen. We've had Stalin Pat die. We've had, of Soviet Union collapse, we've had the, the czar assassinated. So often there's like a le- major leadership change when that happens. And then with what you're speaking about and how that feeds into what we're about to experience with Venus retrograde, and it is a time of desires changing personally, but also collective desires changing <laughs> and collective <laughs> agreements and consensus agreements and that kind of thing changing. What we I don't know enough about what's going on with the war, but it's it's interesting that I can't pronounce his name, but the leader of sort of the mutiny, the Warner group, I remember seeing some, before this happened, I saw some news reports where he was talking about, you know, the morale so bad in our country and, and Russia's just sending all, all these, um, in his case, it was like all these ex-convicts that were formed to like a, a military unit. Um, but he is being like, you know, the oligarchs and the rich people aren't sending enough of their kids to the front lines and the Russian people are going to revolt and like overthrow the leadership. And and because we we're in this time where it's always hard to for me to always keep in mind, I don't know what I'm reading is necessarily true. And it's this yeah. you know, American propaganda. But it turned out that that was actually pretty accurate because he actually took troops towards rush moscow and was basically just like walt you know marching in um until he decided to pull off i mean i don't know what would have ended up happening if he had kept going 
But that was an interesting sign. I don't know what that necessarily means in the larger picture. And if the Russian people are losing, you know, their interest in in the war and how much that could actually affect anything, that would be a question. And it, or would it go the other way? You know, so that's the thing. It's hard to it's hard to know. But what we're we're going into a period right now with um, Venus going retrograde. Traditionally, we always know this this means big changes, big changes in personal desires and the directions we want to go. And we also see this in collective movements. We see this in uh, civil unrest and rebellions, and um, with Uranus also in a hard aspect to yeah. this. That's the part where I, I don't. I don't have a answer to really know where, where this is all going, but but it's interesting that we're, we're, when we're talking right now, like just to see what will end up happening. Mm, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. So there, it was it was an eventful. Uh, it was definitely an eventful first half. Um, I know we didn't even touch on like the whole abortion pill issue. Just a, I mean, even more carrying on with the, uh, the the actually Venus's last retrograde in Capricorn. So I think we're going to see more of that coming in here. But um, yeah, there's lots of uh, lots of action in the sky. So when we look forward here for the rest of the year, from July through December, um, I think I think Gray and I are in agreement for the the few. <laughs> Uh, hot spot points. Obviously, Venus retrogrades one of them, right? And we're gonna go and fully uh, do a treatment on that here in a minute. Uh, that whole um, basically, we're in it now, but especially you know, uh, late July through early September in that retrograde. Um, and I know another one is obviously the Sun Mars conjunction coming up, right? Is that mm-hmm. one of yours, Gray? Yeah, those would be two of the really. Um big ones and it's it's interesting you know venus mars i think is just a theme to think about for the rest of the year um and interesting you know they are the two planets that are sort of on either side of us our orbit mars is the first superior planet to us outside our orbit and venus is the inferior planet to us you know just inside our orbit they're both very much about desire and going and what you want and what you want to create with Mars obviously being more of the like fighting for something and can also tend towards actual, you know, violence, but in a more positive way to work with Mars can be more about, you know, what do you want to protect? What do you really need to, um, you know, get fired up and go after and make happen? Whereas Venus is more, you know, the values and the attractions and and that sort of well, underlying how we come together, you know, how if we come you're, together, I, yeah. getting out, if you're out there getting yours, you know, how do you come together with other people? How do you and, get, yeah, how do, yeah, exactly. And, and I think that's an interesting part of this whole, um, remaining of the year and especially in October and November, because we have that, uh, sun Mars conjunction. If you're watching us on YouTube, you'll see the charts up here. We have a sun Mars conjunction at 25 degrees of Scorpio, which we know is one of Mars's home signs. So that is, that is a strong Mars as opposed to the last synodic cycle that was under Libra, which was a detriment Mars. So, um, that's something to think about. Uh, but there is in my mind, it's sort of the bridge of the gap to speak to what actually 
actually Gray was just talking about of us really needing to pay attention to Venus and Mars through the rest of this year is having that, um, on October 14th, we're going to have a that eclipse in uh, Libra on the South Node, and it's going to be in a square. Uh, you know, it's, just, it's a loose square, but it's still a square with Pluto and Capricorn. Um, but we're going to have back-to-back um, Venus ruled eclipses with the last Taurus, uh, lunar eclipse happening, um, on October 28th. And the whole time I find it very interesting, especially after that Venus retrograde period that for both of those eclipses, Venus is going to be in, uh, her fallen sign of Virgo. So it's an interesting kind of setup for just for Venus and like just her, her story throughout the rest of this year. And then we have that, that super punchy, you know, sun Mars conjunction that comes a month uh, later uh, in mid November. Yeah. Could you actually put that chart back up for a second? Cause I could point some, so which I mean, one, the, uh, the, the, the Mars, sun one? Mars, the sun Mars yeah. one, November Come, 17th coming back. There um, we go. Cause one thing about this too is, which we'll talk about is, you know, Venus and Mars have been ruling the lunar nodes since um, yes. like the end of 2021, 2021, I think, right? Or beginning yeah. of 2022, beginning of 2020. I'm forgetting now the date. I know, I'm, me too. When they, um, when they went That sounds in. about right. That sounds, I think it was maybe, no, it was January, January 2022. January 2022, January yeah. 2022. Okay. And so um, they're about, at the, around the time of the Cancer Neumann coming up, they're going to switch. But they stay, you know, Venus will go from ruling the North Node to ruling the South Node in Libra. Mars will go from ruling the South Node in Scorpio to ruling the North Node in Aries. And the other thing is right now, you know, Venus is getting so close. She's so close to Mars, but they don't actually come together. And so one way we can also think about this is this is all about the ending of their cycle that began in... um, it was early March of 2020, uh, 2022. It was at zero Aquarius. I feel like it was at the beginning of March. Yeah, around like first week of March. And that was at zero Aquarius. They won't actually come together until February of 2024, um, around seven or so degrees of Aquarius. But Right now, it's like they're coming to the end of that cycle, but they don't actually connect. And then they're going to kind of separate. Um, and if if we use a a false a, a lunar phase model for the planets, this is something that's actually done by Jeff Green in evolutionary astrology. That although I don't really practice that anymore, I still like this perspective at looking at planetary cycles. So we have them in this balsamic uh, relationship. And so you can think about this in terms of like a new of a dark moon balsamic type of um, energy or meaning, but applied to the Venus and Mars cycle. So something about this this whole cycle of desire we've been in that's sort of coming to an end. It's they're both going to go through an underworld experience at this point. November seventeenth, Mars is in the like the heart of the underworld being reanimated. Yeah. And basically it's in late August that they move farther away than 45 degrees, but, and then they end up being in a very close to coming into a sextile at one point in October, but right here, 
Um, if you look at this, you can see that they've actually come back to be basically 45 degrees from one another. So interestingly, around the Sun-Mars conjunction, they're coming back into that like within 45 degrees sort of balsamic phase. So they'll kind of come in and out of this balsamic phase with one another. I There's something very liminal about this that I think is a theme for the rest of the year because of obviously Venus... Venus going retrograde, she's going to go through the underworld, be reanimated, come out. And then as she's getting bright again, and, you know, as a morning star, then Mars goes through his Mars own goes underworld. Under, yeah. yeah, he goes through his own long, and the Mars underworld experience is really drawn out. It's it going is. to stretch all the way across like October, November, into December. And so he won't be coming out till towards the end of December, the end of the year. Where we'll be seeing him again. Um, so yeah, very much like going this this idea of going into the underworld, um, going into the heart of things, um, connecting to your real true desires. Um, I think burning off what's not authentic, where maybe you're you're led by the culture or whatever other kind of conditioning to have certain you know, ideals you've been kind of wrapped up in that aren't really truly what you're, you know, all about kind of thing. You know, yeah. to play off what you're saying, Gray, which just kind of popped in my head to think about um, just Mars having con uh, the last conjunction to the sun being in Libra and talking about playing to, you know, society versus, you know, desire mm -hmm. within society, right? And here we're having both Venus and Mars being reborn in uh, two fixed signs and two signs that are really much, con I feel like very much connected with the the heart of things, right? You know, think mm -hmm. about the the sovereignty and the authenticity um, uh, of the of Leo and like getting down to the nitty gritty of your own light and your own illumination and your own, you know, your own solar system and what's going on there. And then Scorpio, we know is uh, it, there. It's a no BS sign. Like it gets mm -hmm. down to the bottom of things. Um, and to that soul level and to that healing level. And it's, you know, it's more concerned with what's, uh, to protecting like what is like immediately, uh, necessary in its emotional realm and what matters to it most versus maybe more of these, you know, this, the, the social realm or societal, uh, you know, um, what society deems is appropriate. Uh, so there's this, this feels like talking about this liminal space and kind of having this reorientation. It's very personalized. It's very personalized. Yeah. That's the thing I think that's really key about, we can, we can really focus in on this rest of the year that it's much more personal because we, we already had the big events of this year for the most part. We had yeah. this Saturn ingress, the Pluto ingress, the big major outer planetary aspect was the Jupiter, Saturn, sextile that we just went through. I don't think there's really another major outer mm, planet. One. The, probably so. the best we get is like Saturn being opposite um, Mars coming up, which is, which is one of the hot spots I, I was going to talk about. Yeah. But, oh, um, oh, is that one of your hot spots? That, I mean, yeah, it's a good one. Saturn opposite Mars. Yeah, because it's basically the same time as Venus stationing retrograde. So that would be yeah, around like so... the, um, the Cancer New Moon chart would be or like, I guess it's more like July 20th or so, but 
Yeah, that, July 20th, right before basically Venus stations. Uh, we have that that Mars yeah, Saturn. Yeah, so that's, that, that's so. two superior planets coming into aspect. It's the Mars-Saturn opposition. Um, it is plugged into some of the charts too for the year, like the, um, have it here, the Aries ingress chart in the US was like seven degrees Virgo rising with, so that's, you know, the Mars is right on that Aries ingress ascendant and Saturn is kind of near the descendant. And then if you look at the Cancer solstice chart, um, Saturn, it's like three or four Virgo rising, but Saturn's at like seven Pisces on a descendant. So both the U.S. Aries ingress and Cancer solstice charts kind of plug into that. Yeah. That, oh, you know that's not. No, it. I'm not. I'm I'm moving. I'm moving at a, a slow pace here, and you probably yeah. probably need the. Uh, I probably need. Uh, Got to be, be in Washington. D- yeah, <laughs> it would have to be. It would have to be set for DC. But that's you can try. I have it. There we it's, go. It's true that yeah. Okay, so that's the cancer. That's, that's the cancer. One. Should I pull up the uh, the Aries? Is that yeah? One? But you can see I on mean, that one that they're still pretty close to being on the angles. They're angular. Oh there, yeah, but you can see on the very Aries tight ingress, on the Aries. Yeah. The Aries ingress. It's very tight. Hmm. Yeah. So that definitely seems uh, it has the added added amplification of being plugged into some of the ingress charts, but even. Yeah you know notwithstanding wherever you are in the world saturn opposite mars is a big deal and it is time for it to happen like right before venus goes retrograde and so that that little that's the first big period to me is it's like july 17th to like the 23rd that week it is we get the cancer new moon we get the nodes switching yeah we get the nodes squaring pluto and then we get the saturn so it's basically nodes switched from to Libra Aries, Cancer New Moon squaring Pluto, squaring the nodes. I mean, opposite Pluto squaring the nodes. The nodes are squaring Pluto. Yeah, that's a that's a big one. And yeah. I feel like that that will you know what culminates with that, especially with Venus uh, stationing retrograde, is possibly going to play into um, that eclipse in Libra. Because mm-hmm. it's going to be um, in a square position with the with Pluto at that time, so it's almost like maybe a, a, a continual build on um, those themes and that those stories and those personalized. Right, we're talking about personal planets, um, and we we are personal people that play out on a collective scale. That's the thing is we always talk about you know looking out into the collective and what's going on there. Well, we're we're all personal people within that collective. The collective is influenced by all these personal people with their own agendas and desires, and you know, yeah, so. yeah. Thanks for bringing it back. To that, that was where I wanted to go with that. Was that so? Yeah, we can. These are these are some charts here where. You know, Pluto squaring the nodes, nodes changing, Saturn opposite Mars, Venus stationing. Those are going to be collective events. But um, there aren't any, the next really major like outer, outer planet configurations like Jupiter, Uranus in 2024. And then we're going to go into like, you know, Saturn, Neptune coming together in 2025, exactly in 2026. We're going to get like Pluto going into Aquarius for good, Uranus going into Gemini for good. All this stuff is about to go down in the years ahead. So I feel like the rest of this year where we don't have as many of those really intense alignments as we're going to be having, um, you know, starting next year, um, 
it is a time to be very connecting to, I think your personal purpose. Yeah. And what do you, what do you, what are you really wanting to create? Um, what's your true desire to really focus in on and, and, um, serve the world with, you know, what are, what are you really being called to, who are you being called to be? Cause we're about to go through in the years ahead. Uh, uh, we all, uh, all astrologers know this is going to be a very, um, historical, historically remembered time period. We don't really know exactly how that's going to play out, except we know that it's going to be something pretty wild. It's going to be important. It's going to go down. Yeah. (laughs) There's all sorts of potential ways that people would be saying it could happen. But um, yeah. So anyway, the the rest of this year is a time to really get into that. And we're talking Venus and Mars. We're talking about your passions, your desires. Um, And what's your true desire? Um, I've been getting really pulled into reading the red book, the Liber Novus by Carl Jung. Mm -hmm. And that is so, um, and I think for good reason, because that's very focused and on, you know, what are you here to do? What's your um, going into your own darkness, your own soul, you know, the, the, the importance of not being, although being, obviously part of the collective and a relationship with the. Oh, Gray, I lost your sound. Can you hear me? Oh, what happened to my sound? You know, he was writing that and he was having those visions in the time of the first world hmm. war, for example. Right. Um, and so, um, yeah, that, um, Sorry, I just lost my train of thought. A I, bit no, there. it's okay. I lost your sound for a second. I didn't oh. know, and I was like, I was like, "Great, can you hear me?" And uh, but then you okay. just popped back in, and so it okay. was all. Maybe it was good. I, I maybe it was, was good that to, train was, left the building. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What was the last thing you could hear me saying? Well, you were talking about um, Young's Red Book, um, yeah. and uh, and now I for now I forget because so much, so much happened. I was like, oh no, don't tell me something's going on with the computer. Don't do it to me, not now. Um, so yeah, well, maybe we'll it, revisit that with the uh, the yeah. Venus talk. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, but the but the point is just being to um, really questioning your ideals. Um, how are you? How are those ideals influenced? You know by other entities and other influences that aren't really truly what's in your own heart. You know, that's going to be a big, big process going through your own underworld death and rebirth experience. And that means really going into death. That really means questioning things. It's not a, um, it's, I feel like when people say things like that, it sounds kind of like maybe trite or, you know, it's, it's a, it's a serious, difficult thing that everyone's not willing to do, but, this is a, a the perfect time to be doing it and get ready for this big time period we're about to live into. Yeah. Cause you know, get, get, get prepared, get to the authenticity and the nugget of your, of your best self and what you want to give to the world or experience, um, to, if we are going to go into these wild times, uh, you know, where there's a lot of change and variation afoot, you gotta be right with yourself. Right. You know, Mm -hmm. um, and you gotta be surrounded by the people, uh, that mean the most to you or that are right for you and that align with um that mm. uh 
and you know, and I find it interesting. Um, well, maybe I'm jumping the gun on this, but that's, I, a, I good, like that's a great point for Venus retrograde. What you're yeah, saying, I feel like, yeah. yeah. So we're segueing into Venus retrograde yeah. now, basically, because uh, I think we did our treatment for yeah, uh, they, the, the the six months, and I think like, I always I wanted to ta- like a takeaway word or two, but it's almost like I feel like we kind of summed that up with just personal desires and like just yeah. you know uh, working on the self um, and. Uh, yeah, the self relationship and then how that bleeds out into relationships, um, beyond the self, obviously. But when I, last night I was preparing for the podcast, I, uh, I had this new, uh, witch deck it's called, it's called witch, a, a woman in total control of herself. And I was like, <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's a new uh. deck that just came out. It's, it's fun. And so I, t- I pulled a couple cards cause I was just curious. I was like, witches. Just how I address them. I'm like, witches, what what do you see for the Venus retrograde on a collective level? You know, what are we what are we working through on a collective level? Um, when I say collective, not as collective as all people, but collective, um, each one of us are kind of gonna experience these types of energies. And so I got two cards. I got the sisterhood of reciprocity and the keeper of silence and the sisterhood of reciprocity talks about looking at reciprocity within relationships and reviewing partnerships and renegotiating business um, and nurturing the partnership with your soul and kind of taking stock of where you're entwined in healthy partnerships and where you might not be (laughs) in healthy partnerships um, and looking at how you can tend to your, to the dance of reciprocity Mm. Um, paired with the keeper of silence, which talks about, um, you know, guarding your worth, you know, how much do we overshare or do we give too much of ourselves away? Uh, you know, do, are we losing precious life energy? It makes me think of the sun, precious life energy, um, with people that don't respect what it is that you're bringing or have to give? Um, do you, are, are, you know, do they deserve your intimacy in some way? And to have discretion, I like this one too, discretion with our seedlings, uh, because there's, you know, it's a very creative um, gestation. So if we have new projects or inspirations that are brewing within us, you know, you don't, you want, a, this is very Leo, you want a robust fire, right? You want to build the robust fire rather than having the spark fizzling out. So that was another thing that came up. So sort of like generating, uh, being able to kind of go within yourself to generate your own sort of um, solar light in the way, because we're talking about Leo and having that tending to your own um, creative fires, I guess you're, you're kind of generating that yourself, but then you're also finding the people and relationships that that can really be in reciprocity with and aligned with you. That's, that's a excellent, I think. Yeah. Overall, I, overall, <laughs> overall summary for the, I know I was, yeah. I pulled the cards and I was like, I was like, you know what, I'm going to write this down and share this because it, I feel like it's very apropos. So mm-hmm. we're going to lead into our Leo segment here, sort of about thinking about those particular things. Um, so just to give the, you know, the straight up details, um, for those who aren't don't quite know yet, we have uh, Venus retrograding on July 22nd at 28 degrees and 36 minutes of Leo, right at the end there, and she is going to retrograde um, only through Leo, uh, and she's going to station at 12 degrees. 
and 12 minutes of Leo on September 3rd uh, of this year. So we have that, that 40 day, you know, that 40 day, 40 night journey. Um, and so I guess one of the first things I wanted to talk about with this is sort of the energetics behind Venus retrograde. I know we've been touching on it a lot in the things that we've already been uh, talking about inadvertently, you know? Um, so uh, we kind of talked about who, what's already affected, like the topic, um, the, the types of area, you know, the areas of our lives or the qualities of our being that might be affected in the retrograde. Um, but I was kind of curious, like who's affected, you know, we're thinking about, uh, especially here in Leo, like is anybody going to be a little more affected than, uh, someone else might be sort of thing. Hmm. You mean just with people's, well, with people's chart, I mean, so. Think yeah. about those fixed signs. Yeah. So there is a five pointed star that Venus forms where, you know, every eight year and it, these always happen in the same place every eight years, a couple days off, a couple degrees off, um, very slowly changing across time. Um, so this is one that in, in Leo, um, it used to be Virgo to Leo. Now it's all in Leo. Um, and that you, you could think about, you know, 2015, 2007, 1999, 1991, our previous ones, for example, in the same general time period. Are you able to hear me okay? I wasn't yeah, sure. Yeah, I hear happened. you. I hear you well. Okay. So one thing you can think about, you know, I mean, you might have, like you're saying something important, fixed fixed placements in your chart could be one thing. Um, your ascendant in Leo, obviously, or 10th yeah. house or 7th house or 4th house in Leo. Um, one thing I was commenting to you earlier, it's they've, they've always been really significant for me. And... Leo is my third house, but my lot of fortune is in Leo. And so it is um, in a fortune house for me. That could be something else, or there might be some other important placement you have that might make it um, particularly important. But I mean, I, I touch, it's a transit that really, it's a very deeply personal transit, but it we're all implicated in this. We're, we're, we all <laughs> go through, we all go through our own like underworld um, transmutation and collectively this sort of feeds into like this, these bigger collective movements and, and changes that, that coincide with it. Yeah. Um, well, I'm, Oh, I was just going to say, I'm wondering just because, um, you know, we talk about, especially with perfection years of like, you know, what planet is on stage. And I'm really curious with this, uh, time around, because when we had our last Venus retrograde in, uh, in Capricorn, I was in a Venus year. Mm. Um, so I'm, and it was definitely, <laughs> it was definitely popping off in my life. So I'm curious to see, um, just sort of the, and of course this is angular for me. So it's obviously going to be important for my chart, but, um, all those, all those of you out there in a Venus year, uh, it'd it be interesting to hear some feedback later of like, if you felt like it was more prominent, um, as far as like events happening in your life or things of great significance. Yeah. So if you're into some of those different weird timing techniques, you know, you could have a perfection, a Leo sign perfection, or a Venus as a time Lord perfection, or perhaps Venus um, as a time Lord ruler and anything else like a circumambulations of the bounds 
or um, for Daria, or you know, um, maybe something with zodiacal releasing as Leo. I mean, there could be a lot of different things. You <laughs> I feel be like all of it, it covers the base yeah. for all of us. Like we're both yeah. someone out there is bound <laughs> to have one of those be, yeah. be Venus. So yeah. So there's um, also all these different timing techniques that feed into it, not just yeah, your your natal chart yeah. like you're speaking to. Um, I guess with the energetics, I think one thing that's helpful to think about is what are we actually talking about? Um, and, you know, sometimes people think of, they think about it very like, um, simply like, oh, it just goes forward and it goes backwards and it goes forward again. Um, but what's really going on, of course, is that Venus is, she looks like she's going retrograde because she's in between our orbit with the sun. So this is Venus coming as close to us as she gets in her orbit. Um, so that's part of the reason she gets so intense. She's also going from being an evening star hmm. where we are seeing her at night following sunset. And the big mm -hmm. first entrance into it is when she gets to her um, maximum elongation. Oh, great. You have that. Yeah. So, yeah, she gets to her maximum elongation as an evening star. That was around June 4th. So she gets to her greatest height. And that's when she starts slowing down some. But she's also then, as you can sort of see there, she's like coming closer to us and she's getting brighter. And right now, as we're talking, which is uh, June 26th, I think, she's getting it's brighter. 27th. 27th. Yes. She's getting brighter and brighter. <laughs> I believe it's around July 10th that she's going to hit her brightest um, point. So uh, if you're seeing this around the time of like the... Uh, I'm not sure when you're releasing this, but but there's going to be a Capricorn full moon coming up. Oh, I'm it's coming out on the full moon, basically, okay, cool. this episode. So the, <laughs> so the Capricorn full moon, we're going to have a Capricorn full moon happening while Venus is still pretty high, not at her greatest height, but still pretty high as an evening star and bright. And the week following that full moon, she's going to be getting brighter and brighter and brighter. So we can see there's like this increased kind of like heat and glow and sort of like magnetism of Venus, and she's coming closer to us. Um, and then she sh when she shifts retrograde and starts looking like she's going backwards to our perspective, that's when on your diagram there, she's like coming even, you can see that RX there, she's kind of coming even closer. And, and where you have that line going across is that's when she's at her closest point to us. She's lined up with us in the sun. Mm -hmm. And that's the... Um, the interior inferior conjunction which is around august 13th and that's like the yeah. heart that's when she's reanimated and then she starts pulling away from the sun we can see her again and then she so she she's basically up at her greatest height she comes down kind of goes into the underworld then she comes up again as a um, morning star likely rising you know um kind of leading the sun um leading the sun coming up, like she's rising before the sun rises. And then she starts getting uh, brighter. Um, and um, I actually wrote these dates down while we're talking about this. So I think her maximum brightness as a morning star is around um, September 17th. So that'll be, you know, she's going to end up, you mentioned before, she's going to station direct like September 4th. But then kind of extending this out beyond her actually stationing direct, you know, she'll be getting, start climbing higher as a morning yeah. star and getting brighter. She's getting maximum, farther from the sun, right? Yeah. So she hit that maximum brightness around September 17th, close to the equinox. 
And then it's not until October 23rd or so that she's going to hit that greatest um, elongation as a morning star, mm. um, which and she'll be in like around 13 degrees of Virgo then. So you could, you can in that way really. Oh, what day did you say? October 23rd, around that time. Oh, okay. And that it's should in that be. Eclipse, it's in, that it's eclipse in the eclipse zone. Uh, zone. Yeah, it's yeah. in that eclipse zone. Yeah. So um, the way you have those elongations, yeah, that you can kind of, that's one way to kind of extend it there with like her, you know, bringing in a little bit more of the synodic phase. But the, the retrograde is kind of in the, in the middle of that, those elongations. And, um, does that make sense the way I explained that? Yeah, that's, absolutely. That's, that's, that's well, I mean, thing. it makes yeah. sense to me. It makes sense. Yeah. We're also looking at a diagram. So if you're <laughs> if you're uh, watching on YouTube, you see this. If you're listening to the podcast, you'll have to just follow uh, Gray's, uh, you know, uh, the way he's like laying it out there for you. Yeah, but. but those are like the real key. Those are like the main key phases to pay attention to. Um, so it's a real dynamic. It's a, it's a part of her cycle where there's a bunch of phases that kind of happen in a shorter condensed period of time. Yeah. Yeah. So it's got, it's full of action. Um, yeah. and it's in its own right. Uh, so let me go ahead and bring our other chart back up here. And yeah, so we go through the, the, we go through these stages and I think it's very interesting. Um, uh, when we get into sort of maybe some of the characteristics more storytelling wise, you know, with, with the myths and st such, um, especially with, the kind of Venus as a twin star sort of uh, myth where, you know, she is this, the, the, the Aztecs thought that when she, um, they, you know, the Mesoamericans really followed Venus retrograde um, cycles and they felt that when she did her station uh, in, in the sky, she basically would switch um, into, she would turn into her male counterpart. And the whole purpose for this, to experience this inversion um, of her, you know, goddess self was to basically embark on the journey to wholeness, Right. And we talk about that with Venus a lot. It was like the sense of wholeness. And it's just not union with yourself and others, but union with your yourself and the anima and the animus within within us. Um, so there's sort of this uh like personification of Venus as more of a masculine warrior type of um uh, energy, especially as she goes into, uh, the end of this, her, of her cycle, basically to be rebirthed into the sun. Uh, and then I found it interesting as part, cause the whole myth behind that with the Aztecs was, I think she turned into a male and, and then the whole thing was she was supposed to go woo this, um, this goddess, uh, figure of theirs and whose name I am going to butcher. So I'm not even going to share there. And then that, that went, that went a little funny. So they sent her down to the underworld basically where she had to, uh, go through, you know, the, the death and she comes out on the other end and she's all bloodied and, <laughs> and, and battered basically. And, and they would consider that time of her coming out of the, the conjunction as the time of the call to war, which I thought was very interesting. And they'd actually play it out among um, tribes and people like war games and, and uh, you know, sort of that, that battling effort there. So 
to eventually become uh, feminized in her female form on the other side of the station uh, in the morning star phase. But I don't, I don't know. Do you, do you subscribe to any of that gray or that, that kind of uh, philosophy behind Venus? This has been, yeah. I think any kind of underworld descent mythology works really well. Um, you know, a lot of times actually there's also her other conjunction with the sun, which is a superior conjunction when she's like on the far side of the sun and moving really fast. And, you know, a lot of people talk about that being like the Anana story of the descent to the underworld, but that same basically symbolism of Anana, I think does to me work well with the Venus retrograde as well, just because we have this, like she's up at this great height as this evening star. And then she goes, it's just this very like going down into the underworld. So any kind of descent, um, whether it's a Nana or, you know, Persephone being like this goddess above, and then she gets pulled down to um, Persephone's case, like become the mm. queen of the underworld and rule the underworld or, you know, Anana has to go down and meet um, her sister Arishkagol, the you know the lord of the underworld. This particularly, the other thing I didn't mention before when we we're talking about the energetics is that um, Venus also one part of the thing about these breaking societal conventions and that these periods are very typically liminal where everyone's going through their own thing. And then collectively there's like societal norms and agreements are all kind of up in flux and things are getting kind of rearranged. Partially that's because Venus, um, when you look at the actual orbit, she's making this loop in the sky and there's different loops and patterns she makes where she really goes, she's not just going along the ecliptic. Um, Chris Brennan did a Venus retrograde podcast with Nick Dagan Best and Patrick Watson recently where Nick um, showed this, really cool program he has where he showed the loop um, animated in case anybody wants to see what I'm describing here. But this particular Leo one, what's further interesting about this underworld descent that you're describing is that it is a loop that actually goes down. Um, so it's a loop, she's actually gonna cross going down across the ecliptic, which is the zodiac belt, the path of the sun and go south and then kind of loop around and then slowly come, um, back up. And what's further interesting about that, so it's, it's going to be around the Capricorn full moon on July 4th that she's going to be at her geocentric south node kind of coming down. And she's actually not going to come back across until way later when she's at that max elongation, more like around October 25th. She's that, It's going to take her that long to come back up, mm. cross, crossing back, going north. But if you look up at the sky where she's going to be doing this, it's going to be at the end of Leo, pretty close to Regulus. Some of you might remember eight years ago um, when she's stationed retrograde, it's always a couple days back and a couple degrees back. So in 2015, it was actually at zero Virgo, like right on Regulus. This time she's like 28, 29. So it's, it's more like a degree and a half from Regulus, but she'll look visually pretty close to Regulus, but because she's going down south, she'll be a little bit below Regulus. But interestingly, another um, projected stuff. So there is the the giant dragon serpent Hydra constellation, which is like the biggest constellation in the sky. And um, you know, Regulus is the heart of the lion that she's going to station nearby. The heart of the serpent or the serpent dragon is Alfard. 
And if you project Alphard, now Alphard's down below, but if you project that star, um, or as Bernadette Brady says, kind of pin it on the ecliptic, it's about 28 Leo. So she's going to be stationing kind of really close to both the heart of the lion, Leo constellation, and the heart of the serpent, the hydra. And in um, Babylonian times, that serpent dragon was connected with like the Lord of the underworld or like a symbol of the Lord of the underworld. And mm. so she's, she's going to kind of be going South, but she, even when she's going South down toward that direction, she'll still be, if we're looking up, she'll be closer to Regulus visually. Although I think she's a little bit closer to the Alphard degree. Um, but that also makes me think mythology of Heracles because of the um, putting on the lion suit mm. and the what she gets from the Nemean lion and the Hydra is this in, in Greek mythology is this great serpent monster with all these heads that heads. if you cut one head off, another one, another one grows. Just grows or a couple grow or, mm. or they just keep yeah. multiplying. Yeah. Yeah. And Hera like raised it to like slay Heracles and they have this um, epic battle, um, which when Hercules wins that, he ends up dipping his arrows into the poison of the Hydra to, um, get these like really powerful arrows. But when he later kills the centaur Nessus with it, Nessus creates this shirt of, um, that's basically poisoned and tricks Hercules wife into giving it to Hercules. It's actually what it causes the ultimate downfall of Hercules in the end. And he has to like throw himself on this funeral pyre. So this, even though he slays the Hydra, that poison in the story kind of comes back to him. So, um, and in in, uh, in Bernadette Brady's descriptions of stars, I know one thing she talks about Alphard, which would relate to this um, theme that we're talking about, is this very kind of intense passion. And it, it can be this very, if you can focus that intense passion, um, it can have this, this primal sort of like chaotic creative energy that can really be intense and directed at something but obviously can also be chaotic, you know, um, as, de <laughs> as, de as desire can be. So I think that's actually an, an interesting kind of star mythology. And with Hercules, you know, we can obviously think about being too much of a hero and too mm. much wrapped up in this lion cloak that you're wearing, this like ideal persona or this invulnerable ideal or, you know, hero you're trying to be um, and kind of causing your own downfall in that way but there's also i think that the trick with this like everything is is coming into a, a balance the of balance the, good old venus word <laughs> yeah a balance of these qualities because you know regulus on the line that that regulus can be we can sweep we we all know examples of celebrities with regulus gone bad <laughs> of famous people that take too much power it could be kind of tyrannical but regulus at its best is this is this beautiful power of of the heart, you know, and heart centered leadership and like command and like making things happen. So um, if there's a way of trying to me with this underworld journey, we go through, we kind of, you know, being willing to also go into our underworld and, you know, encounter that serpent energy, well, right. And kind of bring them together. If that makes well, sense. 
It absolutely makes sense. And Gray, mm-hmm. as you're talking about this and bringing in this this star mythology with it, it's like, look at the station, right? You know, the mm-hmm. sun at 29 degrees of cancer, like it, it basically Venus stations and the sun moves into Leo like less than an hour later or something like that. But it's in that uh, opposition to Pluto while it's basically a grand uh, cardinal cross with with the the nodes. Um, so talk about the the entrance of Venus retrograding at this very, underworld moment um in in the skies and i think with this one we have to be aware that this could be a particularly tough entrance they're always a little bit different but we got the mars i was mentioning earlier the mars saturn is happening at the same time that's typically some uh, if even if you're personally not having a hard time there's often some really difficult collective events that come up with mars saturn hitting each other like that you know um so there and personally there certainly could be some sort of test or issue you're having to face but it's not just venus stationing here i think it's the next day on the 23rd chiron stations retrograde so venus and chiron are stationing um simultaneously which keys us into one of the key things with this transit uh chiron of course being the key glyph but in addition to venus having three square aspects with Jupiter and Taurus, which is important. Venus having three square aspects with Uranus and Taurus, which is important. Venus also will have three trine aspects with Chiron Mm -hmm. and Aries. The first one will be um, June 29th. Um, And then, so June 29th, she gets the first trine to Chiron and Aries. July 2nd, then she gets the first square to Uranus. And then when we get to that heart of the retrograde, right before it, on August 9th, she squares Uranus again. Then right after it, on August 14th, she square, she trines uh, Chiron again. Then she connects with him again, like kind of towards the end of September. But anyway, um, so there's something really interesting there with whatever, this is a part where I think it can really vary person to person and what's been your experience of Chiron. You know, Chiron processes often have some sort of wound or difficult issue you're facing but chiron's also very much this mentor archetype and figure that often can really facilitate us taking things to another level of sort of maturity or understanding um but it's again in this much more kind of um primal way you know he's more like the the mentor teacher of someone like heracles right um so whatever whatever is going on with the Chiron and Aries transit for you, that is actually flowing in this very harmonious trine into the Venus retrograde. So um, it's a part where I think going really into the heart and the, the, the true sense of desire, um, and that might involve having to kind of burn off what are these like wounds or difficult things, you know, how are you? Part of the Chiron and Aries, to me, um, we're talking about Mars, we're talking about the exaltation of the sun. Aries potentially just has this really primal radiance. And I I feel like there's something there, but how do you just connect to that, you know, radiant heart? You know, what's in the way of that? What do you have to, you might have to really do some healing. It, It will really depend person to person. 
but it's well, it's pretty fascinating both station at the same time yeah yeah absolutely i i think it is too and and the and them having that kind of talking point throughout the with venus's retrograde and that talking point actually being um pretty much in proximity to her rebirth position with the sun too right cuz you know she's going to she's going to uh yeah, conjunct trying, the sun at 20 degrees mm-hmm. of leo um and she actually conjuncts she kind of she shadows over that conjunction on i think june 30th so right after she trines um chiron so there mm-hmm. could be that 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 trine even though you know we can definitely feel the the square energy of the jupiter component and the uranus component and maybe a more uh visceral sense um it makes me think of like i still think the chiron piece is important because you know these are very individual individualistic signs in a way right we're talking about leo and wanting to be your you know your robust courageous creative spirit and aries is like you know i'm going to do me and and i'm just going to jump in and and leap and 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 uh you know take a bite out of life right and the chiron component i'm noticing or at least from my own angle, it, it seems to come back to the idea of, you know, right action. Um, mm-hmm. and what, you know, especially if we want to live in our hearts or we have these creative desires come up, or we want to shift our life in a way that acknowledges, um, and allows us to live out what it is that our creative fire is. Well, how do we take action towards that? Or do we have, um, you know, is there wounds in the way or difficulties that keep us from taking a leap or taking a risk or, um, putting ourselves out there, um, or acting in the now, you know, not getting so far ahead of yourself that you don't do anything in that kind of present fire of a moment. Um, is there, is there anger, you know, that is associated with some of these things that needs to be healed? Like some, um, you know, cause a lot of times anger is not uh, forthright out there, you know, anger, as we know, can, can get buried and then it turns into, uh, you know, maybe resentment or depression in some way. And so is there something that's like irritating at the, at the, the core of who you are that might get in the way of this desire, this ability to, um, go on the path of wholeness, right. You know, cause that was kind of the initial start of Venus retrograding is to kind of get to that point, um, of like looking at that within ourselves and what matches that and what doesn't and how we can shift or be more energetically active or more warrior like, right. To attend to, um, those needs. Mm. Yeah, definitely. And it also makes me think then Chiron being, you know, half animal, um, being in that very relational field of, um, I think we talked about this last time at the last, we did the forecast before about the switch to the Libra nodes and the Aries North node. Cause one of the things with this too, is, you know, Chiron is going to be tending to that North node. We're going to end up having these big eclipses. There'll be a big one next year where Chiron's like in that eclipse in Aries yeah. really right tending there. to that. Yeah. <laughs> really tending to that. But, and so like you're saying, there is this like Aries quality that wants to come out, but then, I think I just think of Chiron as an archetype, though, that really also has that like Libra ability to simultaneously do the Aries, but hold the relational field of all the other beings and entities, you know, and just because I, I feel like there's an interesting dance there that we're going to have to be 
tending to with the Libra Aries. Um, and you don't yeah. want to get stuck in where you, you're just not, that's the, I think the danger of the Pluto square to that nodal opposition is where we, for one, you know, you don't want to be too Aries and just doing whatever you want and, you know, blasting all the relationships, but you also don't want to be so caught up when everybody else thinks and everybody else wants you to do that. You don't actually just do the Aries thing. So there needs to be like, yeah, doing the Aries thing while holding that Libra awareness of the relational fields. And I, I, I feel like Chiron's just like a, a great sort of the perfect archetypal figure to be there helping with that. It it also makes me think of uh, when you're talking, Gray, um, sort of the idea of uh, sometimes connecting with Leo, we can get caught up in this need for validation. Oh, um, yeah. That's, that's going to be a huge one with this. Yeah. That's yeah. That's a great point. Mm. So, so when you were speaking, I was like, oh, that's that's interesting in relation to, you know, looking to other, other people to, uh, you know, validate your desire or validate your own aesthetic or, you know, what you got going on or, or um, your creative efforts, you know, versus this sort of Aries, which is like, you know, uh, I don't really care what anybody else thinks. I just am, am me, I'm doing me, I'm going to do this and, and go for it, you know, um, or just giving that self-validation, which is obviously the, the goal here. Um, cause I feel like Leo and Aries, both when we're thinking about Venus in either one of those signs, um, really speaks to the idea of self-love uh, in a way that kind of fills the, you know, yeah, yes. like you're. I have, yeah, I have uh, Venus and Aries, and that's yeah that's the thing you have to learn with that. I think placement is is uh, the self love. That's a huge point that you just made. That I I don't know if we need to keep emphasizing it, but I feel like that's really one of the you just hit on one of the major things. I feel like how this all because of that real need for validation. Um, that's what I was trying to speak to when I was speaking about like you know how much you get caught up in like these ideals or what other people, you know, you're, you think you're supposed to be doing this thing. You're, you're looking outside yourself. You're looking at some external I- ideal or, or what's going to get you this validation. Um, and it's actually that, how do you go into, you know, yes. your, your, yourself, not in a way that's totally selfish, um, where it, in a negative way to other people, but, but in the self and like, you know, you know, what's your real, I mean, someone that actually had Chiron and Aries is Carl Jung. And certainly he's someone, some of his actions you could say was, were very selfish. But the real lesson of that Liber Novus and his work, you know, ultimately is that descent into like, who are you? Even when you read his book, he's saying like, don't imitate me. Like he, this is, I'm documenting my own underworld journey here, but you have your own journey that you need to go through. You know, don't copy me. As you're yeah. getting, you know what I'm saying? Like, um, you, you have your own journey to do. You need to find out what's in yourself. Um, and that's, that speaks to the, the authenticity and the integrity and the sovereignty of, you know, mm-hmm. of, of Leo and, and the sign. And, um, that, that makes a lot of a sense, you know, mm-hmm. you can't look to other people for that. You have to find it within yourself and, and have the courage, right? You know, think about Leo and lion, uh, energy and, and cause you have to be courageous to be able to express your true self, mm-hmm. you know, like that, uh, 
that some people just naturally have it within them. Other people really struggle with that. Um, and so looking at your own, uh, path with that kind of energy and how well, how comfortable that is for you or how it isn't, you know, that might be part of, uh, the triggering because, what was the, um, what was I going to say here? Because if we think about, we talk about balance, you know, Venus coming, Venus all about balance and the wholeness and, um, this idea too. Venus can also get kind of separated into her two sides, right? You know, the, the Urania Venus and the, the Pandemos Venus of like more of that Taurus sensual earthy type of Venus, uh, versus the more Libra and Urania, which is more closer to the sacred, right. And the higher, the higher, uh, version of ourselves, um, which when you were talking about the phases, Gray, I do have to say immediately in my mind, I was like, mm, I wonder if the inferior conjunction, cause it's closer to earth is more that pandemos kind of rebirth. And then the superior might be more that Urania rebirth. Yes. I'm pretty it's- sure. I think Ariel, I think Ariel Gutman says that explicitly in her oh, Venus star point sense. book. But yeah. I definitely think about that's how I distinguish them myself. Um, although with Hermes too and Mercury, kind of more a earthly or catonic or underworld one versus yeah. a more kind of celestial right. one, because yeah, they're other rights are far on the other side of the sun. Yeah. yeah. So to wrap up kind of what I was saying there, um, with going into the retrograde, um, and to getting back, we're talking about this authenticity and this sovereignty and the courage to be yourself. Um, and to, cause courage to be yourself is really like about living through your, your values. Right. Mm-hmm. So the, d- depending on how far away from that you actually are is sort of indicative of how difficult the retrograde might be right? Because if you're very far away from, from your values and what's truly meaningful to you and your authenticity and integrity as a person, then it's going to be a rough ride. But if well, you're closer, be some, probably be some, <laughs> yeah, there'll be lessons. You're going to that's gonna be kind of put in your face yeah yeah so that's something to think about you know as you go through it if you find it's a little more difficult for you you might be like oh well actually maybe i was just a little farther away from what it was that i actually even truly desire and want um out of life the the other thing that you're speaking to there i wanted to meant to bring this up earlier but i'm glad we we got here is that i think it's also important to think about this all in the standpoint of when we were talking earlier about these personal transits and the preparing us for what's to come, what is to come, you know, it's Pluto and Aquarius for 20 years. And we, we had a little taste of it. So one thing, and interestingly, when she stations here, Pluto's back in Capricorn, they're actually in a almost exact quincunx. So there's a weird, you know, that weird quincunx, like um, aversion type of aspect coming in here between Venus and Pluto. Um, I think the quincunx, does count as something that's that's interesting and meaningful but anyway um there's something interesting there about the fact that pluto's not in aquarius when this happens and um we're getting this opportunity to really do this leo work without pluto being in aquarius because later on you know that's going to be the case that pluto will be there um and one of the things with that it is like you know one of the things that came up with this has been AI. We can also think about social media. And um, I feel like that issue you're talking about, about wanting validation 
I I feel like social media has just made that. Um, maybe it's my generational age, but to me, seeing what it was like before and seeing what it's like now, it's made that a much bigger issue for a lot of people. Hundred percent. That's because when you get on social media, it's such a um, echo chamber of people just often copying or mimicking or wanting to tag certain people or kind of do these different things to get themselves more likes or followers or whatever. And it's um, sometimes that can be great and can be very collegial and it can be very collaborative. I'm not saying all of that is bad, but it can also be a lot of like looking for validation. And um, that's just going to get more intense in the years ahead, probably. So this is like a really important well, time to connect to that heart of who you are. Yeah. It in that's a great point, Gray, because it makes me think of just once again, that sort of like back and forth energy, those two sides of, of Venus and, uh, you know, every planet has, it. every planet has its high side, every planet has its low side. Um, but that can, you know, that is a low side of Venus is doing things that are more aligned with maybe superficiality and these, this, this needing to be seen or liked, or, you know, like, it's not like part of really, like truly a higher expression of, of Venus and sharing. Right. Because we, I thought when you said like, it might be like a generational difference with just like, cause we're, you know, Gray and I are only a couple of years apart. And, um, when we think about it and we think about just the, the progression of social media and like getting on like MySpace or Facebook, you know, we just want, we just maybe want to post some pictures, but we want to share something. We want to say something, you know, I don't even think you could like, could you like something on MySpace? I don't even remember, but it wasn't really. <laughs> I don't remember actually. <laughs> yeah. Me either. I wasn't but, a big MySpace person, but yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and well, and even that too, and even like, if you want to go way, if you want to go way back with that, with like the AOL days and that, where that's where mm -hmm. I started with computers is being an AOL. And I was in all types of chat rooms and just chatting it up. And that's a, that's an aspect of Venus, right? You're socializing, you're connecting through this very Mars and Gemini, actually, when I think about, it, you know, uh, just connecting with people, but there was no like trying to be liked or trying to be seen or trying to be, you know, it was really more about the communication and the coming together with people, um, in this format, but now it's all about, uh, certain sorts of, uh, presentation and, and how, how many people can, can like you said, can validate that, um, through likes or shares or, um, or imitation, right? I mean, that's a form of validation too. When, yeah. and when not, not our imposter accounts that we're all sick of, but you know, the, like the people that then seek out the, you know, the trends that then just become imita imitate and then we see these feeds of all the same person doing this dance and doing that. And you're like, yeah, everybody's doing that. You know? such an, yes, it's such an echo chamber and just, you know, you can definitely see with the astrology community and there's so many people more than ever posting things online. And you can almost just like, I don't even know everybody, but a lot of times I'll just be like, oh, I can see who you're all your teachers were, who they are. They're basically saying like the same thing. <laughs> like this yeah, is yeah. like, just like repeating yeah. And so this is a time to really like get more into like, what are your own? Yeah. What are you own, saying? What are you saying? Yeah. What are, your what are own you ideas? doing? Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, I love that. Another thing I wanted to talk about here too, cause I know, um, and I can't remember if we kind of touched on this or not, but, uh, 
one of the things with the Venus uh, point, the you know, Venus in her cycle is aligned with a, you know, a five-pointed star, right? We talked about this before of her going back and forth between these these um, different signs in the Zodiac. And so there's the, it's these 72 degree integrals basically um, that she goes through. And um, I, I loved in uh, actually in Aaron Sullivan's book um, on retrograde planets, she talks about with regard to Venus stations, both direct and retrograde, the golden section, also known as the golden ratio, which this comes from, is activated and resonates around the zodiac at 72 degree intervals, setting up a tone which recollects all Venus stations within that cycle. So it, this brings us back to the eight year, um, you know, cycle and not just the eight year of the last time Venus was in Leo, but it, uh, to me, it almost spoke that it like activates because of the 72 degrees and the perfect ratio, all the points at once. So it's like almost this kind of collective energy of every time, you know, recollection of every time sort of Venus makes this switch. And when she comes back out of it, um, that I found yeah, there's, fascinating. There's, yeah, there's definitely some, there's some, that's why it's a golden mean, I guess. It, it's literally like this magical, very orderly, but where it's so orderly and like almost, yeah, so timed in such a perfect way, but at a certain, yeah, um, five-pointed star pattern. But the the quality time is just very magical and the way um, examples from your life can can kind of show up and cycle through. So yeah, tracking that eight years going back is something you can do. You can also look even four years back, and then because there's the if you just go four years back, that's the so like uh, this time August of 2019, there was a superior conjunction in Leo, as well as you know August of 2015, there is an inferior conjunction in Leo. So there's even that in between the eight years, there's another one that's even there that you can look at. But yeah, it's a it's definitely something magical yeah. about it. So it's well, she goes on to say within that within the five point star and, and speaking to the magical component that you're saying is that in, in transit with this happening, right, with the stations, something mysterious takes place, uh, a reformulation of natural order, you know, because five is sort of, you know, more this earthly base. So a reformulation of natural order and a return to an ideal place where everything manifests can appear. There's a lot of inspiration that's there. Um, but everything that's manifests that can appear can actually look to be like a cheap replication of cosmic perfection. So you might start to look around your life to be sort of this, like, you know, these, these cheap replications of what it is that you actually, you know, the idea of cosmic perfection, uh, for you and that, that idea of the five, um, and it being that place of inspiration that comes up, that can be manifest for something to come. And so it makes me come back to that card that I pulled with the keeper of silence. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's something, that magic point that comes up that can give us this, this ideal or this new, you know, wants to replace what's sort of like just cheap and not aligned. Um, but we have to tend to that and let that grow and, and believe in it and align with it. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, I'm getting really excited about like just the, the magic of this cycle a little bit more than yeah. I would have in the, ha in the past. Yeah. Um, and I guess 
So thinking about how that plays, so you're saying that we'll probably have this coming out around the Capricorn full moon. So when that when that comes out, which is like earlier, you know, in July, this is July 23rd. This the lead in up to the stationing again is is you know she is getting she gets really bright in the sky earlier in July, and that during that Capricorn full moon, she's still traveling with Mars and Leo. I think it's around July 10th that Mars finally gets out of Leo and goes into Virgo. Yeah, but that week or so after the full moon in Capricorn, it is a time to really be paying attention because. There's probably what just listening for what are these new directions? There's something, you know, really heating up there with a desire and it's already starting to happen. But then when we get towards the end there, you know, when when she's actually stationing in that week around that July 23rd station, she's not really moving. There's just some sort of incredible, all this buildup that's going on now just gets so, you know, intensified, um, and we can also think about how, she, again, she's near that the heart of the lion, the heart of the serpent, like the yeah. burning, this like burning heart. Um, and then as she starts moving towards the sun, there's, a, I feel like a, different things can happen that can continue to deepen into the intensification of that. This can also be a time of sort of burning. And there could be a lot of increased desire just in general as she's heading towards the sun because they're like coming towards each other. But it can also be a time really burning things off, purging things, um, changing. I, I think of the Mercury retrograde like too, like this, like changing habits. Um, you're talking about a doing a cleanse, uh, letting go of something, giving away mm -hmm. something, releasing. You know, there can be a way to work with that. That too. There's something purging, purifying. She's being purified in the flames of the sun. Um, it's not exactly a comfortable place for Venus because um, we think of her more of like a more of sort of like a moist kind of planet. Um, that's why she's not said to be. People don't talk about her having like essential dignity and fire signs. Yeah, but, um, you know, she's Venus gonna get is, crispy. <laughs> yeah, but there's there's still this. I I mean, I love the the way Venus and fire signs have this radiant quality about themselves um and that's what we we're going to have to step into but that would be the, yeah like we we're showing here august as we as we build to august 13th that's where we, we really want to be getting into the heart of it and burning off what's not um trying to just really connect to the, what's that essential thing coming out of this process for you yeah so that i mean it it goes without saying that um or maybe it goes with saying that uh leading into that process, um, on August 9th, uh, around mm. August 9th, that's when Venus squares Uranus for the second time. So there's something about the lead up into the, uh, the rebirth with the sun and the conjunction, uh, just days before that we're sort of in this hot spot of, of Venus Uranus, which we've already experienced in the skies. Um, that happened. I know the Venus Jupiter was on the 11th of June. Um, yeah, I'm I forgetting. A, I, have when... I have it written down. You got it written down? It's, um, the first one is July 2nd. So it'll basically be like right at that Capricorn full moon. Oh, yeah. So we haven't had it yet. Oh, at least. Yeah. Uh, you, yeah. we will have when you listen to this, but yeah, not as great. I've spoken. When you listen to this, it will have just happened. So that that is the first. That's a, a not the first thing to pay attention to, but that's an important thing. 
to pay attention to, but also realizing this is a process. There's going to be two more. But Uranus is in Taurus, the sign of Venus. And I personally have noticed, maybe because I'm a Venus, I have Venus and Aries opposite, at the end of Aries opposite Uranus, it's beginning of Scorpio. So I'm a Venus Uranus person. But I, I've generally had a, I've, I like, I've been liking the Venus squaring, you know, hitting tar Uranus, just because I feel like Uranus and Venus is signed for me. There, even yeah. when something might be difficult, there tends to be something creative or something comes out of it. It's gonna, um, I think it, 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 it helps the situation that there's a bit of reception, and. Um, Again, because we're talking about Uranus, this is where we don't really know where things could go. We can we we can definitely expect some kind of unrest. Perhaps it would be a perfect combination for labor movements or strikes or re- rebellions. You know, Saturn in Pisces is not in is retrograde and in Pisces. You know, the um, authority figure is a bit checked out there. <laughs> and, in Pisces, it's not Saturn and Aquarius anymore. It's Saturn and yeah. Pisces retrograde. So um, <laughs> they're, they're the, that's, and this is where it's also, I think, very much about, again, like kind of where it's claiming your own authority. What's mm-hmm. And to me, the Venus Uranus, what does Venus Uranus want? They want something. What's that really authentic thing? What makes you just like passionate to be alive and just excited? And um that's the best way to my mind to work with this. So the more you can follow that kind of direction, something will be out of your control a bit because we're, this is something where there could be some definitely volatile, chaotic stuff happening to deal with, but. Yeah. But I mean, you're right about it being um, there. There is something that I want to say, I don't know, think softer is necessarily the word, but um, just having, both both Jupiter and Uranus be in Venus's sign as they make yeah. these squares. You know, it is they're 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 squaring, but they're they're interested in what she has to say. You know, <laughs> they, they yeah. uh, and, have to take to it to a little yeah. bit. And the square between Leo and Taurus is mitigated because these are signs that are Antitia. They are signs that are configured to the Cancer Solstice. They mm-hmm. share the same light. They share the same power. And that this will be actually specifically relevant to the degree with Venus and Jupiter, because when they come into a square, there actually will be an almost an exact uh, antitia, antitia. At, at 15 degrees, which points that that to me that Venus Jupiter square being incredibly potent because mm. they're not only squaring their antitia, that's it's mitigated and they're brought together onto the zero Aries solstice quadrant at the 15 degree points, which are like the equidistant. If you're into like harmonic stuff, that's just like this real PowerPoint. That's like something really showing up in the world. Yeah. um, It's a a very tangible, tangible way. Something is, is ready to come through here. Um, And the fact that, right. It's Jupiter superior square to Venus in Venus's sign there there really can be something productive and positive for you coming out of this process. So like this side of it to me is a lot, the, the entrance is a little, is more of the 
difficult part. Is the rocky part. Well, yeah. it's interesting with this square here that you're speaking of with uh, Jupiter um, at the 15 degrees of the, the fixed signs here uh, around August 21st is at this point, you know, the sun in Leo will have made it to Venus's station degree. So mm. it's an interesting little kind of setup just to, and, you know, if there was something rocky about that time, now the sun's like, well, look at this, you know? And, and she's <laughs> likely, she's right here yeah. she's become visible so she's 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 kind of like a aphrodite's like reborn in the world or or the morning star god you associate with venus whoever that is or goddess you know she is reborn she and she comes right into the square with jupiter antisha you know on this world axis um yeah, Mars very, is chilling with Neptune. <laughs> Mars is chilling you know, with Neptune. Ne Mars yeah. is chilling with Neptune over there. No big could be deal. Something very, very, yeah, it could be something very creative. Yeah, and then this is also we kind of skipped over the fact that Mercury goes with Venus early on, but yeah, Mercury then goes into Virgo, and so we we actually then have this whole time of like Mercury and Mars um, traveling together in Virgo. Oh and yeah. Then, that, I was going to say that point that you're at right there. Right, I'm going to go like go again. Um, your Mercury's now coming into trine Uranus, although yeah, he doesn't get there exactly because he goes retrograde before he gets there exactly, but he gets really close. So there's something very yeah potentially really innovative here that comes in. And, and it's interesting that we will have you know a solid uh, ten days of both Venus and um, Mercury retrograde together. Mm -hmm. Uh, so that, you know, kind of changing the, the passing of the baton for retrograde, so to speak, even though, I mean, they're, they have different agendas going on there, but like you said, there is that connection where even though Venus was making those hard aspects to both Uranus and Jupiter here, Mercury is going to retrograde and trying those placements from a very, um, functional place, right. And thinking about Mercury is so strong in, in Virgo and trining into Taurus. And if anything, it almost feels like the inspiration or what it is that we creative re receive with the Venus action, Mercury is like, okay, well, you know, I, uh, I'm in a place to actually maybe make that happen or switch some things around or do some magic, you know? Um, and that might be in connection just to think, cause one of the things we, well, as Gray just said, one of the things we skipped over kind of at the beginning of the whole Venus cycle, um, on July 27th, uh, was Mercury, uh, conjuncting venus at the station degree so mm -hmm. you know mercury's talking and it was like okay venus i i hear you i hear the journey you're about to go on i hear your qualms and I, I know i know what you need to address or what you feel like it's, you're gonna have to address um and it, so it, it it carries on and can kind of take that with it yeah and then goes and spends a really long time with um as we're going through all that intensification of the venus going through the sun it's just like Mercury and Mars just traveling along together yeah. through Virgo, which I know sometimes um, that can go with some pretty harsh um, verbal exchange. And especially as we've gone into social media more, you know, whenever we have these Mercury Mars things, there always seems to be some kind of Twitter war, social oh, wow. media war, but they battles never meet happening. Either. <laughs> yeah, but they, they never, never actually meet. they never actually get together. You're right; they never actually yeah. join, but they will be close together. Um, but yeah, it makes me think there's something there. Um, 
it's sort of another, it's another thing going on at the same time that the Venus retrograde is going on. But interestingly, Mercury ends up just being the planet that's in the, you know, has all this, um, I guess the sun does too, being in Leo, but yeah, Mercury being in domicile and exaltation ends up being in a very powerful place, um, you know, goes through the opposition with Saturn. Um, and then it's kind of in between Saturn and Mars, but it, it never actually gets to Mars. But there's there's something there that's, I mean, it's not easy, um, but it does make me think about the focus of um, available through Mercury and Virgo, the ability to really digest things. Yeah. Um, to but to make an, it a analyze, more practical analyze things, yeah. Analyze things, be more practical, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you know, the, the, kick up some fire signs. Things things can get a little dramatic out there. Um, mm-hmm. So having Mercury in Virgo might uh, bring a little bit more of a realism into the picture um, that we could potentially work with, as long as we don't get too you know hyper uh, hyper aware or overly critical about what we're experiencing because uh, we don't we don't need that um but it it speaks to the process of purification again too uh especially since mercury is going to retrograde through this zone um as well and then tap into those uh both jupiter and uranus too so i i think it's actually a pretty fortunate position you know most most planets are going to be looking to the sun right you know because ultimately and that's an interesting thing about this venus retrograde right you know we always talk about her the big part of her going through the reanimation with the sun well it's only in leo that she's going to be in up the purity of of the sun so there's something Mm -hmm. to think about there too with just getting to um a a climax of illumination so to speak um and then having that mercurial component be able to maybe piece that out uh in into a practical effort uh maybe not immediately but somewhere down the line yeah, definitely. And uh, I think you mentioned this too, the the fact that Mercury trines Jupiter and then stations close to trining close Uranus, to, but yeah. close enough and then goes back when when Mercury ends up going through the heart of the sun, we get to the point if it's retrograde, that is sort of right after, I believe, um, Venus is stationing director. Yeah, that's they're all kind of time together, right? Yeah. Yeah. What what is the lineup again? It's like Venus stations, Jupiter stations. They all like um, station (laughs) there together. So we have okay. So Venus uh, Venus is on September third. Oh, I think September third. September third. Jupiter stations Uh, on September fourth. And then the uh, and actually I think Uranus stations like maybe the a week before or something they're yeah. actually all kind of lined so, up. So so we are looking at the okay yeah so Uranus is stationing on the twenty eighth twenty ninth some yeah. in there so basically those the twenty eighth through um the well especially the sixth uh, with that Sun Mercury conjunction too there's sort of this like week long hot spot of a lot mm-hmm. of shifts um taking place so we're so that actually that's that's rising up 
up to our hotspot, Gray, of uh, what yeah. to kind of look out for. That was my. That, this is my second hotspot. Oh, the, is this your second you hotspot? This is my second hotspot. Yeah, <laughs> but but uh, yeah, but the fact that state Mercury stations trining Uranus, and then as it's coming back, yeah, all that happens. Venus stations, Jupiter, Uranus stations, Venus stations, Jupiter stations, and then when Mercury is reanimated here, so this is another. So, I mean, now Mercury goes through his own underworld journey. And as he's really reanimated here, there's some sort of, and in Virgo, it's a very powerful one. There's a lot of, perhaps, especially a lot of clarity and ability to integrate and digest all, all the stuff we've been going through with this Venus transit. And Mercury is trining Jupiter at the same time. Yeah, I just think that's, it's a really, it is a really positive it's a dynamic thing that comes in setup. here. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, and as you're speaking, Gray, it made me think of, um, you know, kind of jumping ahead to when I was talking about earlier in the program about thinking about these back-to-back -back Venus uh, eclipses coming up um, and obviously her going through this um, whole setup, but there's something to be said about this Mercury retrograde. We're throwing it in there, right? You know, Gray and I always got to throw extra things in, but uh, is there something to be said about this Mercury retrograde? Because think about Mercury and its whole integration of everything that's going on and how that starts this mercurial cycle and, and sets that forth to then play out throughout the whole eclipse zone, right? Because Mercury will at that point be ruling that Venus in Virgo, who's going to be dictating, um, you know, the energy of the eclipses. So there's something to be said about this whole process that Mercury is going through and kind of seeding in this underworld journey that will carry us through the eclipses and play into how Venus acts through that time period too. Yeah. And so in this first week of September, you can just sort of think about this first week of September, like Venus is just not moving Neither is really Jupiter. She's just chilling on my Jupiter. She is. Yeah. She's stationed on my Jupiter. Wow. So that's, I'm like, hmm, okay, let's see what pretty, you got for me, girl. That's pretty nice. Yeah. So <laughs> we're, if, yeah, if she's in a place in your chart, that's if you have something like that, 10 to 15, 10 especially to, around, especially around 12, 12 of fixed signs, you know, actually it's interesting. Or any, you know, combination yeah. of <laughs> throw something more wild. And this is also basically the North node of, Neptune, um, where she's stationing, um, which I think it would just be to say that just sort of adds to the um, creative potential that could come out of this, mm. this process. But this would be a time just to be really sitting with um, what we've gone through. And there's another intensification here. Um, you know, and she's now this, um, she's not really moving, but she's, she's very visible. She's becoming more and more visible as a morning star. Um, but uh, hopefully that, that Mercury being reanimated at the same time could just help sort of with the processing, um, and, and just sort of take your time with what's coming out, out of this. We still, you know, there's still going to be a, even though she's stationing here, I, I guess what I want to say is things will be intensified again. There's, there's still a lot to be unfolded and learned. It's like, it's, it's not even though the technically the retrograde is over this process that we're in, you know, will be continuing to be in, unfolding and you just have to, yeah, there'll, there'll be more to kind of realize and understand about everything that's been going on with this at this point. Yeah. And it's, and it's interesting that uh, the moon comes around to conjunct 
Venus on September mm-hmm. 11th. You all know that date. Wow. Uh, September 11th, at the same time that Mercury actually gets, starts to get far enough away from the sun to it's not be full on combust. Not be full um, on combust, yeah. And, anymore there. But like, as you said, Gray, she does continue on the, the journey, right? What what dates do we have again for the, uh, so Venus, Jupiter on uh, the third square is on the 17th of September? Um, 17th? Yeah. 17th? I, I think I had the 16th, but it might be the 17th. Yeah. Well, and of course we're going to feel that around that whole time, that 16th, 17th. And then she's going to, you know, she's right. That's basically right after Mercury station. So Mercury station is correct. And then she, she gets to that final square. Yeah, exactly. So that's a little, she still has another, she still, it'll be like the next week, just after the equinox, I believe that, well, actually it's more than a week. So the September 23rd, she'll try and Chiron, and then it's September 29th that she squares Uranus. So mm. um, that rest of September, there'll be some more of those big aspects from the retrograde yeah. that she'll be, she'll be completing. And then, uh, yeah, so right and right before, because I've, I've started to think about that, too, as I was kind of uh, piecing out Venus retrograde. I was just thinking about, you know, obviously the conjunction with the sun. But I was like, you know, what is she telling us when she meets that degree before the conjunction? And what is she telling us when she meets that degree after the conjunction? Right. You know, because it is a hot yeah. spot sp- point. And so September 26th, she'll reach the conjunction degree. And, and then, like Gray said, um, uh, just three days later. On the 29th, she squares Uranus. So it's something yeah. like that might be brought up again from that August 9th through August 13th period. You know, we have a different sort of take or resolution or moving forward um, in the last days of September. Yeah. So if you are listening to this at the Capricorn full moon, and we just had the first square, just sort of realize she's still squaring Uranus on September 29th and third. Yeah. At the end of September. So something has started there that um, you might still have playing out when we get to the end of September. Yeah. Typically though, I find the, these third squares, they really do tend to be a lot more integrative and oh, absolutely. a lot They're... more, something more productive comes out of them because yeah. I'm working on it. Yeah. Yeah. They, uh, they move the story along, right? They, they, they're like, okay, this is, this is the, fun. this is that last little push, that last little activation. And then we do, and then we move on from it. Um, so it's always, uh, yeah, I, I, I like that wrap up aspect and really she's just gonna, she's c- continuing on. She's not going to get to the, um, she gets to about the station, uh, degree around October 7th. Mm. And, um, which obviously, as we were talking about earlier, is just leading us into eclipses, right? Cause we got eclipses on October 14th, uh, and then she moves into Virgo on, uh, October 9th or October yeah. 8th, 8th. Well, it's like the ninth. So she finally gets out of there out of Leo. So that's when the Leo journey finally ends on october 9th or october 8th or october um, 8th okay yeah i couldn't tell based on my where i was going there but around around evening here in the u.s she will move into uh virgo um which is a a passage in its own right but that really wraps up uh venus uh retrograde in her moves <laughs> Ooh. 
had to cough that one out. Uh, so, I mean, I feel like we've kind of talked about how we can like, get the most out of this time. All right. Um, we've, I feel like we've done it a pretty good treatment gray. Um, but you know, me and I love my keywords. I like a good, a good descriptor, um, as far as what, you know, how would, how would we sum this up? The, this next uh, handful of months in the summer months for Venus retrograde. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I really like what we were saying earlier about um, going into the heart of your desire, true desires, going through this underworld, you know, journey with, with Venus, um, burning off the ways that maybe we seek this, outer uh, outer validation like you were bringing up or whatever ways we get kind of conditioned or pulled into maybe not doing what's the real true desire um what do we feel and you know what what's going to make us really passionate really creatively excited about life what's um what are the relationships and people that really resonate with us that can really support us and we can support them and we can be co-collaborators, perhaps um, people that we're aligned with in that way that can um, be mutually beneficial. There might be rearrangements of some of those dynamics. You know, some people you might realize you're not really in alignment with anymore so much. And these other people you might be more in alignment with. Um, and that we then sort of, we don't need to go into this, but basically <laughs> right when when Venus leaves um, Leo finally around August, October 8th, right? It's a couple of days after that, around October 11th, that Mars goes into Scorpio. So again, we didn't go into this, but Mars then is kind of going to go into his own invisible the, underworld yeah. passage yeah. and ends up being reanimated around November 17th. So we'll, we, we get out of the, the Venus one is, whole Venus journey, Leo journey ends. And we kind of then go into straight into Mars eclipses and <laughs> Mars going through the underworld. So that's why, um, at the beginning, I was thinking about things like what, a, like a liminal passage, letting things from the cycle with relationships and desire, let things die that need to die or be shed or, or let go of. And, um, connect with what's that, you know, reseeding, the revivification, reanimation. Um, Venus and Mars will both go through that process um, during the rest of the year. So I, I have a feeling that um, by, by the end of 2023, relationships of all kinds, including the relationship to yourself, <laughs> is going to look probably really different, uh, just because there is this, this burning off, uh, and there's this, um, call to in integrity, uh, and these great, you know, mm. illuminations that are happening with both of these, um, personal planets, which are, uh, somewhat rare when we think about just retrogrades and, uh, yeah, the, the starting of cycles for, both uh Venus and, and Mars, they're sort of they're the rarest retrogrades as far as not that Mars is going retrograde, but um just the Mars cycle is the one of the longest ones in in relation yeah. to being you know having that conjunction with the sun. I think it is the longest one actually yeah. because they're closer speed to each other. So it is more rare for Mars. Yeah. And 
yeah, it's it's it is interesting that yeah we get to have the Venus retrograde lead right into Mars then. Yeah. So there, there is relational work to be done. Um, and you know what? I'm here for it. I'm, I'm here for it. You here for it, Greg? You ready for this? Yeah, definitely. (laughs) I think it could be real. Um, it can be exciting and I think it's natural to, when you hear people talk about this stuff and these transits to get, to be, to get afraid of, you know, what could happen to this relationship or that relationship or something bad going to happen or, and you, you know, you, you, that's not really the point of, of yeah. um, doing this and hopefully being aware that these things are going to be all happening can kind of help you track yourself and kind of realize, Oh, I'm getting these new desires or new interests. And that's not actually crazy that's actually lined up with what's happening here and this is like a whole process i'm going through and and just kind of be curious about where that's leading you yeah right because that's the that's that's that rebirth process desires attraction Mm -hmm. uh tastes they they shift they change over time based on where we're at in life and and how our how our values are shifting and we kind of gotta we gotta roll with that we gotta roll Mm -hmm. with what's illuminated and what is meant you know as cliche as it might be sound what is meant to uh what what is meant to be with us what is meant to stick will do so through thick and thin right you know, because that is just the law of attraction. Um, and so, yeah, we have to have to be receptive to that, uh, and look forward to what we can learn and, and get rid of, you know? Yeah. Because really this time, um, you know, some people are good about constantly keeping themselves, you know, creatively active and full of new ideas, but, you know, some people also can get kind of stuck in a rut or kind of start doing the same old thing. This is like a, these are great transits to really, if you have been stuck somewhere, um, and even if you haven't been, it's going to just accentuate your ability to kind of transform again and, and find the, the thing that's real exciting and, you know, try out some new styles, try out some new um, directions to see where it takes you. Yeah. It's like the the metamorphosis of the muse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I love that. All right, Gray. I think we did it. I think we yeah. did we did we did Venus well. We did her a, a bang up treatment for her time in Leo, along with even throwing some some Mercury and Mars and other planets in there. So uh all right. Well, where can people find you? What you got going on? Yeah, you can look, follow me at graycrawford.net. I have sort of planned to not have anything major going on during these months because I just wanted to let myself be able to go through this process myself. There's a good chance, though, that I might be doing a secondary progressed course in September and October. And you, if you're just following me on my website or Patreon or on social media, you'll see me announcing that when it happens. Yeah. Is it going to be the, uh, if, if it happens, is it going to be a repeat of your last secondary progressions course? Yeah, it'll be a new and improved version of that course, but yeah, I did do it once before and, um, I did a secondary progress sun webinar for Kepler college back in April that went well. And I, um, 
Yeah, I, I did teach this cor- course once before, which I really, you're- no, I was in it. Yeah, I had some very epic classes. So what, what I'm gonna, this will be uh, more condensed. And I'll, what I'll probably do so that so the classes aren't so long is just record <laughs> other things that you can kind of look at on your own. And then mm. the live classes won't have to last as long as I did last time. But yeah, I, I, secondary progressions are a really great technique. Um, I love secondary progressions. I think it's one of the most powerful things you can work at. And as a plug, um, Nicholas, uh, who goes by Sparkles of Gold, recently released an interview with Demetra George from NORAC. And Demetra George, all the translation work she's done, the master of all these timing techniques, when asked, what is your favorite technique? Her answer, secondary progress lunation phase. Because it is secondary progressions. You can't you really, it's something really to spend time exploring. And if you're interested in that, yeah, um, look for when I when I announce that class. Yeah. Well, not not to push Gray if he's going to take this time off, but I do have to say <laughs> it was a great class. And I, I had already worked with progressions, but uh, I feel like you got me um, even more excited to really... Just, I mean, give them more weight than I think I had been giving them. Um, and yeah. it, it's definitely paid off in my practice and paid off in my personal life. Because speaking of, you know, uh, secondary progressed lunations, I over here, Mel LaFera, just went through a secondary progressed new moon at 29 degrees Leo. <laughs> right? That's amazing. When did that happen? Right where Venus is stationing. Um, that happened on May 31st. And wow, so I am I am freshly over the balsamic phase. And let me tell you, I am over the balsamic phase. I know in progressions move really slow. It's not like I'm just gonna rock it up like a seedling and I'll, you know, off to my my natal new moon status or a uh, full moon status that I'm used to. But uh there it there definitely was a, a shift there. So I'm actually about to have the progressed moon move into Virgo uh, any day. Actually, it might have already moved in. I got to check. Got to double check. But that's, um, a, that's, that's a- amazing, though. Um, yeah, actually, I remember us talking about that before, but that's really cool that that I didn't realize that had just happened so yeah. right on Regulus and right with the Venus. April, I told April Elliot Kent and she was all, she was like, oh, I'll have to be like, I knew her when. Yeah. And I was like, oh, <laughs> I think this will be a, yeah, this will be a good, I, I agree. That's, this is going to be a really good cycle for you. You're in a really good place, um, for starting it and you're and Venus is conjunct and look how good you you have this great sound system. I know I'm ready to go. The the sound qualities already has already been reanimated. Yeah. Of your podcast. Well, you know, what's really funny is the, uh, in the chart, the, um, it's a conjunction between the sun, moon, and Venus. So oh, Venus man. is, oh, she's at 28 degrees, actually, you know, so wow. she's good. So I'm really curious about this retrograde just for my personal uh, self, right? Because the the sun, um, Venus conjunctions on my midheaven, and then it stations on my Jupiter. So it's a really lit up chart for me. So I'll report back, uh, hopefully with good things there. Um, but there's just something, I'm very intrigued to see this progression sort of play out, especially since I've always been a morning star venus right and so i get this last conjunction before i have this really uh profound shift in phases by progression uh when with venus when she eventually 
um, moves over. But that's enough about me. Uh, and said had no I, Leo had ever. I, had to have a but... little, yeah, a little Leo Newman, Leo Newman time to talk I, about that. You know, yeah. I had to had to had to call it out while I was still fresh, while it was still happening. So, all right, folks. Well, uh, I'd speak another second about myself. You can find me over at energeticprinciples.com, uh, where I offer consultations. Um, and, uh, occasionally I teach, but not immediately here anytime soon. I am working on a special project, which everybody will hear about rather soon. So stay tuned for that. Um, and of course I'll have a blog post with Gray's information and this, uh, and all, and hopefully I'll put in some of those diagrams and some different things we were talking about. So if you were watching um, or listening on the podcast and not watching the video, you can see them there. Um, other than that, uh, let's see. You can find me on Instagram at Energetic Principles. And <laughs> I think that's all I want to share right now. So I'll wrap up by saying if you liked what you heard here today, you know, leave a review wherever you're listening to this podcast. If you're on YouTube, you know, hit the bell, like, subscribe, comment below tell gray and i how what you think this venus retrograde is going to be like or if you have past experiences with venus retrograde and you're like oh this is what i you know especially with looking 2015 what was your last venus and leo retrograde like because we'd you know love to hear it and, and comment back um if you you know share it with a friend caring is sharing. Don't keep it all to yourself, even though there's all these Leo planets going on right now, you know, spread, spread the good word. And don't um, forget we, we did that earlier, uh, one back in yeah. December of the whole year. So if you want right. to hear all the stuff we didn't talk about just now, we previously talked about the entire year and you could just fast forward to the last part. You can hear us talk about like November and December and October and some of those more detailed parts that we didn't talk about today. And you can check our predictive work by hearing what we said before anything. Happened. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> no, but that is, that's a great episode. Uh, and you can find that on YouTube and also on anywhere you listen to podcasts. Um, all right. Well, great. You know, it's always a pleasure having you on the program. Uh, you know, I can only hope that you'll be back with me for, uh, the astrology of 2024. <laughs> oh yeah i'll definitely do that yeah but it's our it's our yearly roundabout so hang in there for another six months gray will be back um and all right well you know we wish you all the luck out there uh enjoy your venus retrograde experience and as always may the stars be with you mm -hmm.